I want you to know that life groups is something of very keen importance to me. Relationships are something that's very important to us. We come to church to connect. We come to church to meet new people. When I was a young person, I came to church to get a wife, to get a girlfriend. And there's no youth here is going to say amen to that. But you know, if you grew up in church, there was no better place than to find a godly woman than at the bar, at the club. You know, that's just, that was what it was. So you came here. I'm just joking. You came here to church. And so um, relationships is an important thing. It's not just a relationship with God. We need a relationship with man. And so, matter of fact, can I just do this this morning? I already feel the need to. I'm going to come on down here. I'm sorry, balcony, if y'all can't see me, but I just, today's one of those days. One of those days. And so we are talking about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Matter of fact, why don't you turn there with me, and then we'll pray over God's word and get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. You should have it up on the screen. We'll read that. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But of many. Father, I need you to anoint my lips. I need you to anoint their hearts. Allow your word to do what it always does. And allow us to prosper from it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we read this, I want you to understand Paul is explaining the concept of membership. When we talk about membership, we are... Sorry, guys. It's going to be rough this morning. Well, as, we, as we talk about membership, it comes from this very chapter right here. Membership is when you're a, a member belonging to a body. You can look at your hands, fingers, and toes, and you realize really quick you have members of your body. And so Paul is trying to explain to us something very specific, that your, that your body is unique to you, uh, parts are unique to you, you have unique attachments to yourself, and that each one of those things have a particular function and purpose. And so let me start off by saying that we are a particular people connected by a particular attachment, united for a particular purpose. We begin to understand that. We realize real fast that, that, that membership at a church is just not something that's real fl flippant, that you just join because you get to vote. There's a lot of things that go in with that. You, you, in fact, I will say I wasn't really raised. I was raised in a good church. We, they taught the word, but I was never really taught what membership really meant for the believer. And so uh, the believer is, is to be more than just being able to vote. In fact, you should know this. That when you say that you are a member, you should understand that membership is the decision to be identified and functionally involved with those who are learning to live under, uh, together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Membership is the decision to be identified and functionally involved with those who are learning to live together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to look at three things concerning the body. And that is the identity 
in the body, the function in the body, and the unity of the body. What makes us a part of the body, first off? It's the Holy Spirit. Scripture says right there that we have been baptized into the body uh, through the Holy Spirit. And that baptism um, through the Holy Spirit is, allows us to really be connected to the body. In fact, the best way to understand this, because this is what Paul's using, he's using the body as a metaphor. The Holy Spirit is to us, the believer, as DNA is to the body. Have y'all ever tried on other, other parts, other arms from somewhere else? You probably don't want to try that. You guys know there's a problem when we try to try on other parts. Hopefully you never had that, that need to try on other parts. But you need to know is that what makes us unique to the body is the DNA that's in that body. I can cut my arm off and give it to somebody else, but that doesn't mean somebody else can receive that part because that my arm has been coded to my body to work with my body. And so you need to know that we may look, feel, and function different in the body of Christ, but our DNA assigns us to the body which we can belong and to no one else. Christians should not be able to look or fit well with other bodies. You follow me this morning? Because not even our own bodies will function that way. That's why not everyone at your job or everyone at your school, and unfortunately not everyone in the church, or churches, not particularly this one, but churches have a problem accepting you because they may not have the DNA that's inside of you because you are a spiritual creation, and you have the Holy Spirit as your DNA. You are uniquely assigned to the body we call the church. And so when you try to connect with other bodies whose DNA does not line up with the Holy Spirit, that's when you have problems. That's where you might feel rejection. They don't understand me. They don't get me. Well, you could be weird or you could be just trying to fit into another body that's not your own. And so here we see oftentimes that even if we have a transplant, if you've ever had an organ transplant, you'll know that you'll have to take medication to allow your body to continually receive that part you've received because that organ does not have the same DNA. And so your body naturally tries to reject it through its immunity and says, this is a foreign body. This is not here. And so you have to take medication to make your body's immune system uh, desensitized to receive that part of the body. I think so many times in the church and as believers, we take spiritual medication because we want other things that belong to other bodies. We want them for ourselves. And so we will desensitize our own spiritual beings so we can receive other organs because we want to belong to that or have that. But some side effects of those medical um, uh, possibilities are other high risk of terminal illness. You are not supposed to have other things that are not of Christ's body. And for you to have those things that don't belong to Christ's body is because you are medicating your spirit to be numb and insensitive and so it's important for us to understand who you are you belong to this body because there's a, a holy spirit who has coded you to belong to this body you don't belong to any other body um, unless the one the holy spirit has assigned you to you not only belong to this body but you also are not of any less value because you are different from others in this body so you belong to this body, but you're not different in value because, or less in value because you're different. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 through 16 says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. See, Paul understands right away that even in the church, in the early church, that there were slaves and rulers and poor people and rich people and haves and have-nots and Jews and Greeks and Gentiles. He understood that there was, there was a lot of people who were not the same at all. And that really is the beauty of a church. How many of y'all married your spouse that you're exactly alike? You're exactly alike. You, you would never do that. You'd kill that spouse they were exactly alike. You know, you, they drive you insane. How do you know that? Because you drive them insane, so they already know. So we, we, we don't need people just like us. We need people that are different. We do not all want to be the ear or all be the eye. That would be a, that would be a horrible life. That would be nothing but an eye. You couldn't hear or taste or, or smell. And so Paul is trying to say that nobody in the church is of lesser importance because everybody served a purpose in the body and everyone's connected to the body. So here's what I want you to know. We have a common identity, but our functions are uniquely separate. So I can be okay that you don't sing or you don't preach or you don't do any of the glorious things Maybe your value comes uh, differently. Well, number one, your value is the fact that you belong to the body. You don't look at any part of your body and say, cuticle, you aren't value. You mess with that cuticle and you'll know real fast what its value is. You, you, you know what it's like to stump a toe. You know the value of every part of your body just because you don't get to see it. Just because, you know, the gallbladder is not on display doesn't mean it's not valuable. Just because a nursery worker is not on the stage does not mean they're not valuable. How many of y'all are thankful for some nursery workers? Keep those hands raised. We're going to take sign up at the end of service today. <laughs> so our identity is, is coded in us by the Holy Spirit. You need to know that you're a part of the body first and foremost, primarily only because the Holy Spirit has baptized you into the body. You belong. Why? Not because I've loved you or accepted you, and because you found a place to function inside this church membership, but you belong to the body because you have been baptized into the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that is your DNA that says, here is where you belong, and there is where you do not belong. Let's talk about our function. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 to 20 says this, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it, uh, as, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have all of my senses. If you had COVID, you realize, oh, man, it's not fun not having all your senses. Julie lost the, uh, the ability to taste and smell, and my food life was horrible for six months. It was. I love you, but let's be honest, babe. She couldn't, she's, you know, Julie cooks, she just throws it in there until it gets right, you know. We don't look at the recipes printed on the wall. She's just adding it in there, and I'm just like, this is the blandest thing ever, you know. But I love her. I love her, and I, was, I just kept eating it, and the Lord blessed me and heard my prayers and returned her senses to her. Um, but it was, it was tough. Ain't that right, kids? Mm -hmm, yeah. So, so it's important for you 
to know that your senses do apply. They matter to you. They matter to the body. In fact, I would just remind you that your senses' jobs are to gather information so you know how to respond in your environment for survival. Just so you would remember that your eyes can alert you to visible danger. But your nose can alert you to, I'm sorry, your eyes can alert you to visible danger. Your nose can alert you to invisible danger. Your ears can alert you to danger on the way. And your touch can tell you it's dangerous to touch that again. And your taste can tell you that if you don't look at your wife and tell you it was good, then that might be danger as well. You know, you need to make sure you say that, that was, that's good, baby. You, you, you know, COVID's going to be gone pretty soon. So we have all of these, these senses to help us understand how to assess situations. So you may not be an eye. You may not be a mouth. You may not be an ear. But you should know that it all matters. In fact, I can tell you a great illustration. I'm sure we all have had this common uh, problem in life before. Uh, if you've ever woke up in the middle of the night and you've had to use the restroom with immediacy and on your way to the bathroom you have somehow forgotten where the edge of the bed was and in your hurry to the to the bathroom you caught that little toe have you been there before has anybody made those mistakes at all and and when and when i hit my toe on that thing i can tell you what happens all of a sudden i just I'm like a log falling, just, you know, because anything else I do is going to be painful. But what I want you to know is that my little toe, I don't even know what the purpose of my little toe is except for getting hurt. But my little toe communicates with all of my body and every part of my body, all of a sudden my eyes were like, okay, we're going to navigate the landing. It's going to be right here to the right hand side of the bed, you know, and then, I, and, then, and then I'm talking to my hands and my arms and we're all getting ready for the impact and then my, my lips are forcibly shutting so I don't say things I should not say and I'm just like, mm, all the way down and I just take it all the way down to the, the floor. In fact, one time I had a, an instance where my body was not working the way it was supposed to I had a pinched nerve in my arm, and I was coaching uh, Aubrey's basketball team, and I came around the corner trying to show them how to, to suck a pick, and when I did, uh, this girl stepped out, and I was about to trip over her, but the problem was I couldn't raise my arm. And so I'm going to step over her, and I can't raise my arm, and so I just hit the, I mean, I just hit the ground, just slide, you know, because my arm wouldn't function, and I just slide on the on the basketball court, and the coaches are looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Pick up your hands and catch yourself, but I didn't have that function of my body. It's important for you to understand that you need every part of your body. But here's what I want you to know as well, is that just being connected to the body doesn't keep you from being hurt. Sometimes we're a part of the body and we feel like just because I'm in church and I'm connected to church doesn't mean I'll ever experience hurt. That's not the case. But I can tell you that it can help you get to back to being whole. Being a part of the body can help you, get, help you get back to being whole. Being a part of the body won't make the pain go away, but it'll support you until it does. 
Being a part of the body won't guarantee you'll never be hurt again, but if you do, the rest of the body will be there. It's important for you to connect with the body because pain does come. Hurt does show up. And in life, when it does, you being connected to the body will be a people, a, a membership that will rally around you and support you because if you're just a long ranger and you're by yourself, you ain't got anybody to talk to or process with or pray with or share with. And all of those things are foreign to you because you've been trying to make it on your own. You were never built to make it on your own. That's why you seek relationships. And so it's important for us to understand that when problems come, we fail to realize that every part is required uh, to function. We need our body. When we have a, a loss of function, when the eye has a problem and it can't see, now the body has a problem, it's lost its functionality. In fact, when we don't have a certain part of our body and, and it loses its functionality, that eye, for, for instance, if that eye, if you lost sight in your right eye, the problem is not so much now you've lost sight. The problem is, is that you've lost space where a good eye could be working. You, you, you need that eye to work. And so since you can't just get an eye transplant, I don't think they do those things, but since you can't get an eye transplant, you have, lost, you have lost a function and you've lost a space where something else could be functioning better. I want you to understand that when you come to church, you should be functioning. You have an identity, but you also have a function. And when you lose your function, the body loses its capabilities. So many times what we see in churches is simply this, is that people will come and be a part of the church. They'll be a member, but they'll have no functionality. And what I want to know this morning is, is are you occupying a space for somebody else? There's a space that you occupy. Are, is it advantageous for you to be there? Are you beneficial to the space you're taking up? Because as the church grows... We need to make sure that everyone that is here is functional and moving along. You see, you may have space, but are you any service? You may, you may have got the place, but have you forgotten your purpose? You're filling the pew, but are you functioning in the plan? Being here is not enough. There are other churches that would love to have you and mark you down on their roster and say, bless God, we're growing, but not at this church. Because I want you to grow. A functioning member is a growing member. And when the whole body is functioning, the members benefit. In fact, I, I heard a pastor tell me for a long time, he says, God, you're never fully growing until you're fully serving. I heard that for years and years and years. And you know what? At first, he was just like, that's preacher talk. That's a good one. You know, I'll write that down. But as I began to really hear that over and over again, I saw that to be true is that we're never really growing. We're never really maturing in Christ and accomplishing the, what, the, what the Lord wants to do until we are serving. Because serving is a, a function. We provide the body, and as we function for the body, the Lord uses us to grow the body, and he always overflows on us as we, um, as we serve the body. And so sometimes we have members that cannot function. Not, not will not function, but cannot function or limited in their functionality. How do we, how do we deal with that? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the head to the feet. I had no need of you. We, we can't say, I don't need you because you're not like me. Je- as a matter of fact, James deals with this, this directly in the New Testament church. He says uh, in James 1.27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, I don't know about you, but orphans don't really benefit me, and widows don't really benefit me. But notice James says this, that religion that is pure... And undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Regardless of what you are, you might be a a widow or an orphan, whether it be literal or metaphorical. makes no difference. You need to know that just because what people might call lesser does not mean that you lack importance or even lack equal value. Everyone is equal to the body because of the Holy Spirit in you. You are a a member that matters because of the Holy Spirit in you. But you profit the body when you function, when you do what you've been called to do. You see, if you were truly connected, if you're truly connected to the body, you would realize how important the lesser parts are. In fact, you may not never see the molar in in the back of your mouth, but you know how important that molar is, especially if you run across an abscess. Because that little toothache will make your day miserable. Miserable. Like I said earlier, the cuticle will make your day miserable. And your little toe will make your day miserable. They may seem like small parts or things that don't benefit you that much. But I want you to understand is that those things, you're, you're, you are, those things become valuable to you because you're connected to the body. When people walk through those doors, they may not look like you or talk like you or think like you or do like you, but you need to understand this. They are every bit as valuable as you'll ever be. You cannot be greater than them, nor can you be lesser than them, no matter what they look like. Or I, mean, I don't care. If they come... I can't even begin to to paint the picture. Imagine having a pastor who doesn't talk like you or think like you or been where you've been and somehow you could value him. Maybe you could value him because you understand how important the body is. And so I'm saying this morning is that small members matter because of the unity in the body. So let's talk about unity for a bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 22 to 25 says this. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now notice that. They're indispensable. And on those parts of the body, we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, unpres- and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. You, you, this, is, this is what you got to pay attention to. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. I read a church about a church one time where, where they actually had the rich people sit in the front because they knew the rich people liked to see their, their gifts being given in the offering. Poor folks had to sit in the back because poor folks didn't have nothing to impact the kingdom of God with. So let's put you in the back. That's the kind of church that existed in James chapter 1. 
He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into the assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears all that blame, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you sit over there. You sit in the back. You sit down at my feet like a good servant. Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Notice he says this. Have you not made distinctions which really is evil? Really is evil. Can I talk to you about this idea of distinction? The word distinction literally is translated discrimination or really segregation. Segregation, discrimination, racism, favoritism, classism, tribalism, it's all the same thing. That when we, we make a distinguish amongst ourselves because we realize those people are not like us and so they don't really benefit us as much. I don't really have need of them in my life because they don't really benefit me that much. And our culture teaches this to be right, that if people don't benefit you, let's don't have them in our life. This is the concept and the basis for abortion. If that child don't benefit my lifestyle, let me get rid of it. But that's not how we look at things because if I remember last time when Jesus came down from heaven, I had no benefit towards him. But because he loved me and even gave his son for me, he still saw me to be value. But this, this culture of ours teaches us that, that if people don't benefit us, then they don't belong. They don't matter. But obviously, Scripture is saying right the opposite. It's saying that the orphan and the widow matter to us. That means that we have to pay attention to that. Can I tell you that the orphan and the widow is a way for you to sensitize yourself. Abortion is what they want to be the standard. Euthanasia won't be too far behind it. And they do that in Europe over there. That means if you're older and you don't really prosper the country or you're too young and you have some sicknesses or some disabilities, they just go ahead and kill you and be polite with your life and get you out of the way. What they're trying to say is, is that anything that is a consumer of our life, then we want to kill it and smash it because we only want things that contribute to us. Thank God he did not treat us this way. Remember last week I talked about how, the God, how God looks to us and says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you <laughs> because you don't have anything for me to give. He says, for the world and the fullness are mine. And so the Lord has this idea that, that what matters to him is, what say, what, what, uh, is whatever he, he says matters, not because we benefit him. We like to find people who think like us like, and talk like us and look like us and function like us. Even if it's not in the census, even if it's not in the plan. Matter of fact, the body has this same problem as well. The body has cells that don't always think and, and talk and function like the rest of the body. They're kind of rogue to the plan. In fact, we call those cancer cells. Those cancer cells are really just cells in rebellion. And the problem with cancer cells is this. It's not that they just don't think and talk and function like the rest of the cells, but they want to they find other cells and just reproduce after themselves and, and begin to multiply. And then as they multiply, now they got these little, these little clicks, these little clumps that they, that they come together. And then not only are they just found with the little groups that they have within the body, but now they want to grow other groups and metastasize and show up here and show up there until eventually cancer will kick you out of your own body and take you over. 
And this is what the enemy wants to do with the members of the body of Christ. He wants you to think and talk and function in one accord together with people who are just like you. So that way you can form your little cliques and only talk to your cliques. And then you multiply your cliques within the body. But then when the, when, the, when the plan of God for that church is not going your right way, you pull against it because you're a cancer cell in rebellion. And then you metastasize and to the point you finally kick out of the body the things that belong to the body. Because this is what the enemy does. Cancer is to the body what disunity is to the church. We see that often. Let me just remind you that your God is a God of three in one. He's the Trinity. He is a unified triune being. Satan's first act of rebellion was discord, was disunity. It's his calling card. In fact, I would tell you that in your marriage, as we, as we go through life, sometimes we feel like, man, we're having all kinds of personality conflicts this week. <laughs> we have different agendas. We lack chemistry. The bills are creating division. We lack intimacy. We lack communication. We're not on the same page. I, I, I would just remind you is that don't, don't give your problems away to your spouse so fast. You need to remember that the marriage is reflective on the whole counsel of God, on the whole unity of God. In fact, it's, it, it, your marriage, the unity of your marriage is so important. The Lord said he would not answer your prayers if there was disunity in your marriage. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of, of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. It's a lack of unity. Satan is at work in your marriage. Can I tell you that Satan knows how important unity is and that God does not respond to disunity, but unity. God always responds to unity. Look at Matthew 18, 18 through 20. He says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they ask, it will be done by, um, for them by the Father in heaven. For where there are two, somebody say two, or three, are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Acts 2.1 says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Can I tell you that revival is not coming to our, our church? Revival is not coming to our city. Revival is not coming to our country. Revival is not coming. Yet. Because there can be no revival until there is unity. Unity always precedes revival. And so I'm thankful for people saying, I, I, I can't wait for revival. I'm praying for revival. I agree. I'm with you. But you better know that I am praying twice more for unity than I am revival. Because I know how the Lord works. Let me just remind you, in, in case you forgot, is that unity is so important. In Ezekiel 37, 7 through 9, uh, he prophesies. Here Ezekiel is prophesying. And he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I, as I prophesied, there was a sound. Behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews of flesh on them, came upon them, and skin came and covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. The body of Christ connected bone to bone, tendons and joints will see the breath of God to be revived when they are united. But the problem might be that we're not united until we're persecuted. Because that's always the case for the church. We oftentimes find ourselves under persecution, and that persecution leads us to a place where we strip away all of our differences. We realize that we're just the bride of Christ. We're not Presbyterian or Baptist or Assembly of God or Methodist or whatever it is. We are a bride of Christ. We're not business owners. We're not farmers. We're not grass cutters. We're not pastors. We're not stay-at-home moms. We're none of those things. We are the body of Christ. And we must see each other that way. Regardless of what we have done in our past, regardless of the way we look or what we used to ascribe to, we are all the same. Life leaders, you can go ahead and be dismissed. As I close this morning, I want you to know that we are, to, we are better together, better together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I want you to think about that for a second. If one member is going to suffer, all of us should suffer. In fact, you've probably felt that to some degree in your life. I envision the body of Christ so knowing their place, so understanding what it takes that everyone is the same value, that if we all win, we win together. If we all lose, we all lose together. How many of y'all ever have, many of y'all have some fire ants in your, in your yard? Y'all got fire ants? I, I was out playing paintball. I was telling tell her this the other day. I was out playing paintball. And as I was playing paintball, we were playing King of the Mountain. I was going up the hill, and they were all trying to shoot me. And uh, I ducked behind this, this big old tire. Now, the whole day we've been playing, there have been these big old uh, ant colonies everywhere, big old fire ants everywhere. They, they're trying to take over the whole ground. And so I was out there, and I was, I was getting peppered. I was behind this, this, um, this big old tire. And all along the, all around, around me were like these little small um, bushes that, that looked like little um, pine needles, but they weren't, but they would, they would poke you. And so I'm, I'm down there, and I feel like this poke on my leg, and I'm thinking, man, there's another one of these, these little bushes brushing up against me. And so I, I do like that, and next thing I know, my whole thigh and my whole calf is on fire. I look down, and I am engulfed in fire ants. And I stand up and start to knock everything off. And these people are thinking I'm still in the game. And I'm getting peppered everywhere. They're shooting behind my helmet all up in my face. Can't see, can't breathe, you know, because now I'm breathing real heavy. And so I'm steadily getting bit by all of these things. In fact, go ahead and show that picture. This is my leg right here. Got tore up. Uh, it was really bad. I had to go to the ER. They had to uh, speedball me. They would, they would give me some medication that made me like super adrenaline and they put me with something else that just bottomed me out because they were trying to flush all of that reaction 
in there. But here's what I learned about those, those ants. Those ants were busy about trying to build a kingdom. They, was, they, were, they were about it. We were knocking down, you know, their little kingdoms over here. And I guarantee you can come back the next day and they'll have a hold of the kingdom over there. And I know this about ants is that ants know their place. Every ant is valuable. Every ant has a function. And ants only have one agenda, and that's to take over everything. That's what they want to do. They're trying to build a kingdom. You hear me? They're trying to build a kingdom. And if you get in the middle of their kingdom, they only got one job, and that's to light you up. That's what they want. They're going to light you up. They lit me up that day. And I was just thinking, I wish the body of Christ had the same mindset of ants, that we're trying to take over this whole thing. We're trying to build kingdoms over here. I got an ant pile over there. I got an ant pile over there. We, now, we all may be different ants all together, but we're all trying to take over this human world with our ant colonies. We're here to build some kingdoms. And if you put your knee down or you mess with my building process, all of us are going to light you up for you stepping into my stuff. And, I, and not just a firehead, but I believe that as the enemy tries to step into our life, we ought to tell the enemy, we're going to light you up with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't you step on my kingdom. Don't you try to get discord and disunified in this body of Christ. I want to see people who will say, I'm here to light somebody up. And I'm here to build a kingdom, even if it's one grain at a time, one sacrifice at a time. So let me challenge you today. Where are you connected? Because connection is absolutely important. Where are you connected? You're not here just to sit on a pew. How are you functioning? You are to identify with the body. You are to function with the body. And you are to learn to live in unity with the rest of the body under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today's a special day for us because we're going to launch life groups. I'm about to close here in one minute. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Here is the altar call that every one of you should be able to respond to. I want you to connect with this body. This church will never grow, never grow. We'll never see new converts come to this church until we have the ability to focus on the individual as we grow larger. And so my, my call to you is simply this, is find a way for you to get connected with the body. And the best way for you to do that is to do life groups that we're launching today. Here's what life groups are to me. The New Testament church met together, and they didn't emphasize songs and sermons. Sometimes they had gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they always met together. They were always connected. They always strengthened each other. Paul writes in Hebrews, or the, or the author of Hebrews says, don't forsake assembling yourselves so that you may strengthen one another. Your goal and purpose in life as a member of the body is to meet here and strengthen each other because we all go through some stuff. And so this morning, in the back, we've got some life group leaders, and they want to meet and talk to you. Tonight, they're going to meet in different places around town. Some of them be close to you. Some of them not. Some of them have child care. Some of them will not. And so I want you just to go out there and just talk to them and see who they are and see where they're at and find out where your place in the body, you can do life together. I'm not asking you to go learn theology. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to, to sacrifice your life and give to somebody's purpose and agenda. I'm asking you to do life together with people who understand your needs and want to meet your needs. You think we can do that this morning?
Father in heaven, I ask you, Lord, as you send out your body, I pray that these connections that they're about to, to entertain, Lord, and hear will be strengthening their own lives. And I pray that you would give us wisdom as to be at the right person at the right table, Lord, and to find who's calling our name and who we can contribute, God, and build a community better for the glory of your name. I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before you dismiss, here's how it works. Outside there are eight tables. All I'm asking you to do is simply this, is to go by, meet that person, see who they are, see if there's some synergy there, some connection there, uh, and, and just think about the idea of going to their house. You can go to multiple houses tonight, or you can go to this life group this Sunday, and then a couple Sundays from now, we'll do it again. You can go to their life group. You're not locked in, so your yes is not a marriage vow, all right? It is, I'll see you tonight, but next time, we'll see, okay? You're dismissed. Y'all have fun. Be blessed. Thank you.